and welcome to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. My name is Richard, and I'm here with my good buddy, Ethan. Ethan, we're here to talk some Philly sports. What's going on? Well, right now, it is a smooth 4.30 on the West Coast, and Philadelphia is up 10 against the Utah Jazz, so let's hope that continues for their sake, hoping for all the Jazz fans out there. Well, I hope you all have a good comeback. How about that? If you're a Jazz fan, just have just take solace in that you have Donovan Mitchell, my my favorite 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 player from the. Anyways, I I, mean, I don't want to get too lost in Donovan Mitchell, but Hero Ball love child. Yes, he is. Yeah, I Donovan Mitchell. It's okay, Luke Kennard. I like you too. Uh, but uh, we're here not to talk about Luke Kennard, not to talk about Donovan Mitchell, even though I'd love to. We're here to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Trust the process, Ethan. Look, what do you want to talk about first when it comes to the Sixers here? Well, as we're uh, all about everyone getting their checks, keep cashing them checks, guys. Robert Covington's extension, a four-year, $62 million contract extension. Richard, this is a guy who's spent quite a bit of time in Philadelphia. He's been on those dreaded, terrible Philadelphia 76ers teams, and now he's getting to play with a pretty solid team with all the players that they could draft because – all his surrounding talent was terrible, and they got all those top picks. What, what's this say about Robert Covington as a player? Well, Robert Covington's taken an, an interesting path to get to where he is. And uh, last week, Bill Simmons wrote an article uh, for, from The Ringer, and part of it was explaining just how Robert Covington came to be where he is. And basically, it's a perfect storm of things lining up for him. He was drafted by the Houston Rockets, um, and – I don't know. He, he started on. He's. I don't even know if he was drafted. Was he drafted, Ethan? I um, I'm gonna have to go to the basketball reference. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to check that out because I know he started off with the Rockets. All right, they have they had his rights. I don't know if that was after the draft or or whatever. But basically, he was a guy who got thrown down to the to the D League. Um, and if he plays for the Rockets on the D League, you know, Daryl Morey, he's the master of let's shoot as many three-pointers as we possibly can. And so with a lot of the things that teams try to do, they try to experiment with their D League team to try to see if it'll work, and especially a team like the Rockets. And so in the D League, Robert Covington is getting up massive, just massive three-point attempts up over and over and over again for that first year that he was there. The next year, uh, he goes to uh, Philadelphia. Sam Hinkey, again, it was a Daryl Morey guy. And so as Hinkey began his whole rebuild and stuff, he brought in Robert Covington as well. That, that's the connection there. And when he got to Philly, his job is, all right, you're going to play as good of defense as you possibly can, and you're going to shoot three-pointers. And throughout this, he's just been able to refine himself as a phenomenal 3-and-D guy. And now with the team he has surrounding him, Bill, uh, sorry, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, he's in the perfect situation to thrive as a 3-and-D player. And with all of the time he's, he's spent practicing that, he's really just come into the ideal third guy you'd love to have on your team. And this extension he signed with the Sixers on a pretty reasonable deal is exactly what you want if you're a Philly fan. Oh, yeah. And going off that, like, the building of uh, Robert Covington, he has a career attempt three point attempt rate of six and a half per game, and that's and that's only uh, one less than his current uh, pace this year at seven point five attempts per game. This year's shooting at forty nine percent, but like that, 
while we look at that percentage and say, well, he might regress a little bit, we have to uh, attribute some of that percentage to playing with the Ben Simmons and playing with the Joel Embiid, having all this open space to work, and also with J.J. Redick, who just spaces the defense out even more. Right, right. Covington is one of those guys who, like like, like Bill Simmons wrote about, uh, has been built into this through, you know, the plan by Maury, the plan by um, Sam Hinkie, and now he, he's getting paid as a 27-year-old, which, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird time to get your first kind of big contract. You know, a lot of these guys are getting these contracts at age 23 now because that's when, you know, they come out as freshmen and they do well and then they, you know, go off and get paid. This is a guy who spent years in college, was undrafted, if I'm reading the internet right, and, yeah, he's made something out of himself. So congratulations to Robert Covington. I'm glad you got paid, buddy. Yeah, and and like you said, like maybe some people are thinking, well, he's shooting – almost 50% from three this year on seven and a half attempts a game. Like maybe this is something where, you know, maybe he'll regress a little bit because he was shooting just under 40% uh, for his career. Like the rest of the time, basically 38, 39% free throw shooter, sorry, three point shooter uh, in the previous years leading up to this. But now with the spacing you have on that team with Ben Simmons setting people up nicely, I don't know. I, I, I tend to think that maybe, this 49%, maybe obviously 49 is ridiculous, but like this is more like the real Robert Covington. And going forward, man, having him on that contract on your team, I think that's going to be a steal for Philadelphia for the next four years. Oh, yeah. And his career three-point percentage is 36.4%. And if he just regresses like right now back to 40, which would be higher than any of his other seasons in his career – That'd be a perfectly respectable percentage. Like, that's incredible. Like, yeah. Wayne Ellington, who plays for the Heat. There you go, guys. There's the Heat reference. There it is. He's shooting like 38% on some pretty difficult attempts. But, like, I think people would regard him as a really, like, really good shooter. But he's taking, you know, a bunch of, like, coming off pin downs and shooting, like, just setting his feet and trying to fire. But I think, you know, if he played for a team that where he could get his feet set more often and get easier looks off, he'd shoot about 40%. And that's where I see Robert Covington being. Um, playing alongside Simmons and Embiid, and let's let's throw this out there. All right, Steph Curry, career forty three percent three point shooter, averaging seven point seven three point attempts per game, and so essentially Robert Covington is shooting at a clip currently of better than Steph Curry. Obviously, Steph Curry does a whole lot of that stuff off the dribble. Robert Covington is not going to be off the dribble. Obviously, there's differences there. But, like, you can get a sense for how great Robert Covington has been this season so far. And, man, if he can keep anything like this up, even down to, like, 40-45, like you were saying, like, that's good. That's exactly what you need on a team, especially with Ben Simmons. We, we talk about how he can't shoot very well. But if he's setting Robert Covington up to shoot at that clip, you know, awesome. Yeah, that blind comparison was not uh, was not uh, by coincidence. You know, I, I put I put those two things together to compare him to Clay Thompson. You know, a six yeah. seven shooting guard versus a six eight six nine small forward power forward. But yeah, if, if you can if you can be getting the catch and shoot game, and Robert Covington is going to put up a, a, a anything over forty percent, you're winning as a franchise with that contract. Totally, totally. So um, we want to talk, I guess, now going forward about. Uh, the other two big guys for for Philly, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And we're going to do this kind of through the lens of the game that Philly played with the Los Angeles Lakers last week. In that game, 
Philly ended up winning 115 to 109 and focusing in on Joel Embiid's stat line. Maybe you heard this, maybe you saw this. 46 points, 15 boards, 7 assists, 7 blocks. That's a crazy stat line here. Uh, Ethan, w- what are your thoughts about, about what he did in that game? I mean... Well, the, the thing I want to key on is that just ungodly Euro step he did to Brooke Lopez. Like, oh, people, people that large should not be able to move like that. It's just not fair when, you get, when you're get 7'2", outweigh everyone on the court, and are still more nimble than anyone on the court, it seems like. Uh, the thing about Joel Embiid is this was one of the, the first games that we – like, we, I, I, I had to go through the game log to see how effectively he shot three in individual games, but he's shooting like 26% from three on, on the year. We don't we think that's below what he will eventually get to it this year. I think he's just having a bit of a hard time with it, maybe even forcing some. I haven't watched every Sixers game. He kind of has that slow, slow setup and release. So if you close out to him and he just wants to shoot it, he's going to get contested a lot. But to go two of three and fourteen of twenty and just bully people inside, go to the foul, go to the free throw line nineteen times, like this is something that you just don't see out of big men these days, unless they're getting hackered, and then you usually still don't get to nineteen attempts because the coach pulls you out before you get there. Like yeah, he's getting getting that many free throws, and like a lot of them were like you know because like. It was like the last saving effort to to stop a dunk from him, or it were there were and ones that he was getting. It was it was a phenomenal performance by him. And from the field, he shot fourteen of twenty. All right, fourteen of twenty from the field. He he shot two for three from three point land. So obviously he took he didn't take that many three pointers, but he made made two out of the three of them. Like for me, as as I watched this game, it was it was phenomenal to me how how. Little of an answer the Lakers had for him. They could throw no one at him. Brooke Lopez was out guarding him. Andrew Bogut was trying to cover him. And every time he got it, he would get it from like, you know, 15 to 18 feet away from the basket. And he'd face up. And you could just sense the fear that was in both of those defenders' eyes. Like they they did not want to – they didn't want to cover him and he, because – he could blow right by them, like just like, like you mentioned that Brook Lopez Euro step thing. He got they got blown by because he's just so much more nimble and quick than they are. But also they have to cover him way out there because he's going to knock down that mid range jump shot. And when he gets in the post, he just totally overpowered. I remember watching a couple of plays where Kuzma was on him, and man, that it was just it was a dunk and one. It was it was over, and they had no answer for him. And honestly, most teams don't. No, and and talking about those most teams. Uh, that was uh, two days removed from putting up 32 and 16 re- 32 points and 16 rebounds against what most people would consider to be a pretty solid defender in DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, now, oh, he made him look silly. Yeah, see, I'm of the mindset and always and kind of always have been that DeAndre Jordan is primarily a great help defender, not really a great one-on-one defender. Um, but yeah, Joel Embiid went to the line 16 times in that game. Went as 11 for 20. Was was one for five from three, so a, com- a completely different game in terms of his efficiency and scoring, but still an incredibly efficient game, scoring thirty two points on twenty attempts. Like this guy is, which he's showing us something we really have not seen in a very long time. A guy who can be dominant in the post, and then on top of it, Richard, he can shoot, or at least yeah. he he's he's getting the respect that he can shoot, even if he's not always making them. Yeah, I mean, like people have been saying, oh, you know, he looks like a young Shaq. He he's 
He's got the uh, you know dominance down low of that type of thing, but it's not just the down low aspect of it. He can shoot. He can step out and shoot that mid-range jumper. He can hit 75% from free throw land. I mean, these are things that Shaq couldn't do. And, you know, we, we, we think of Shaq as, you know, the most dominant big man ever to play the game. And really it all comes down to how healthy can Embiid be? And can he remain healthy for any duration of time? And so far we... We haven't seen that from him. I, you know, every single time he he fell preseason, it was just like huge gasp. Like, is he going to be okay? But, yeah, you know, so far this season, he's been all right. I know that tonight's game, he was, uh, you know, it's 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 a Sunday. No, it's not Sunday. It's Monday. Sorry, it's a Monday night, and he was like unsure of if he was going to play because his knee was hurting. So, like, those things are concerning. But if you get him on the floor and are able to play him legitimate minutes like we saw in the Warriors game like we like we see in some of the more recent games him getting 30 some minutes he's really really dominant and I don't know what you can do well and, and on that thing before we bump to um to some of his on off court stuff I just want to run down like where his field goal attempts are coming from he's shooting uh 36 percent of his attempts within the restricted area 16 percent from three to ten feet 20 percent from 10 to 16 7% in the long two range, and then 20% from three as well. Now, I, I took rounded things, so if you get the aggregators add those up, it doesn't equal 100. Don't, don't at me. But <laughs> anyway, like what I like to see there is like you can see that there's an emphasis to get inside, but then like that little like the floater range, like a, a spot that you like guards to get a lot of shots from, you know, if they're good at it. He doesn't really like just live in there because he steps back to mid range and gets a lot of catch and shoot opportunities from there as well as from three. But he's when I feel like when he's catching the ball in the mid range, like deep mid range, he's not settling for that just quick you know throw up a deep two. He's looking to go inside, post up, or take that step back and like do a dribble handoff and try to figure something else out to get the team going. Like, but when I watch Joel beat, he's really like that that long two. He's not settling for like I see a son Whiteside take all those sixteen footers and I'm like. You know what? I, I can't say don't do that because if he he's probably going to turn it over if he tries to pass it. But, man, like why are you occupying that space on the floor? Joel Embiid, even when he does occupy that space on the floor, he's not settling for that shot consistently. He's looking for a better play, getting it back to Ben Simmons, getting it back to even a TJ McConnell who can look for another guy to score. Like He just seems to have all the cerebral things about basketball, and he's only been playing since he was 15 years old. Yeah, and and think about like there's been a couple of years in the more recent time where he hasn't played at all. He's just been sitting on the bench tweeting. I mean, like he hasn't been able to get that much time, but he looks so he looks so comfortable with the ball. I like in in that game you'd see just some assists. Like he had seven assists in that game from a big man. That's a great that's a great game for, uh, in, in the passing game. And some of those passes were like backdoor cuts, finding guys through like narrow holes and finding them for easy layups. And so like it, it, him and him in the post, getting double team, kicking out to Covington for three. I mean, the entire time he was making the right move. That rarely do you see him make a mistake offensively that uh, was unwarranted. Yeah, I, I feel like most of his turnovers come from the, uh, the vein of trying to make the right play. Um, and it, sometimes it just doesn't work out. You know, sometimes there's a miscommunication. Sometimes the defense just guesses right. You know, there's all kinds of things that cause turnovers. But I feel like most of his come from the vein of there's there's a, there's two plays to be made, and he just got unlucky with you know a, a good option. Right. And 
I mean, defensively, he had seven blocks in that game. I mean, goodness. <laughs> That's terrifying, Richard. This guy has the lateral quickness to stick with some guards, and, mm-hmm. and he has the verticality to, like, pro- like I, I have a feeling this guy can touch the rim. I have to look up his measurements and see if his standing reach is over 10 feet, but I just got to imagine it is because he's such a freak out there. Yeah, it's 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 really ridiculous. And there were a couple of times as I watched the game, he he would get beat by those guards. It seemed like he did have the speed to stay in front of them, but then he'd just maybe give up near the end of it. And so maybe having that drive could be. I mean, I don't think it'll be an issue, but that was just a couple of things I saw where he he could have stayed with it. And if he did, maybe it was a playoffs. If it was something you know a more important game than against the Los Angeles Lakers, then maybe he he. It makes that attempt on defense a little bit more. But, I mean, at this point. Wh- and some of it could be, like, his own, like, kind of personal strategy. Like, I know, like, when I played pickup and was actually still an athlete before my injury, like, I would let guys go past me because I knew I could jump and recover. Like, mm-hmm. I could block shots that way. And it was just easier to, like, say, hey, go ahead and take that lane. I, I, I'm confident I can still get there. So, like, for what it's worth, like, you know, maybe just he guessed wrong on his own personal ability to recover a few times. But, like, yeah, again, it could be a motivation thing, too. I'm just saying, like, it's not always necessarily a, uh, a motivation thing with all these mm-hmm. players. Some guys are, like, you know, they're setting people up to fa- – they're, they're setting them up because they think they can, you know, still get the blocks yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the, the one the one time in that game where uh, Joel Embiid looked mortal was when Kyle Kuzma goes up and just tries to dunk it basically tries to destroy the rim on top of Joel Embiid. And luckily, luckily for, for Joel, it like went in and out and he got a foul or whatever. Uh, like he fouled him and he had to go shoot some free throws. But man, uh, I mean, other than that, he just totally owned every inch of that game. Yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned that we're going to get to the on, on-court, off-court stuff. So let's go ahead and get there now. Um, with Embiid uh, this year on the court uh, versus when he's off the court, the teams, um, they're plus eight for a hundred for a hundred possessions, and so they have that. Now, when he's when the opponent's teams, uh, you know, plus minus for when he's on and off for a hundred possessions is minus thirteen. Uh, so they're thirteen points worse when he's on, uh, you know, playing out, out there playing defense than when than when, when he's off, and so that's a difference of twenty one points per 100 possessions with Joel Embiid. And that's a massive number. I mean, the impact that he has when he's on the floor is just enormous. But the, the question with him is, you know, can he stay on there for the duration of the season? And will these injuries catch up to him at some point? I, mean, I hope they don't because, man, he's super exciting. I'm telling you, Rich, like, it, it, we, we just repeat, we end up repeating ourselves the same thing over and over again. But he, he just has the whole package. And like there's just so much he can do with the basketball, and then when you pair him with this guy Ben Simmons, who's just another another kind of athletic freak, and he's got all the basketball savvy that you could ever ask for, and and it's such a young player. Like the sky's sky's just it, it's really kind of a terrifying terrifying thing to think about with these guys. That yeah, and like, what, what, I'm, I'm stumbling over my words because I'm just like it's it's hard to con- it's hard to to like contemplate because you got a guy who's like you know, jump shot away from being a LeBron. Mm-hmm. And you got a guy who is a jump shot added being sh- potentially to be Shaq. Like it's, yeah. it, these are names that do not get thrown around willy nilly. This isn't a Luau dang compares to everybody. 
this is the LeBron James, you know, potential greatest of all time kind of comparison. Yeah, and I mean, when I was watching this game with Embiid and Simmons, essentially whenever I saw a, an offensive possession where Ben Simmons or Embiid weren't directly involved, in my mind, I was like, that's a wasted possession. Like any possession where they're not involved just seems like a total waste. And because they're just so dominant. And, you know, Embiid this, this year, I mean, in playing only uh, – this year he's playing 29 minutes per game, all right? So that's an, that's an up from last year, and, and you know, hopefully hopefully he can continue that. But with 29 minutes per game, he's scoring 20, about almost 23 points per game this year. And so he, his efficiency while he's on has been really, really good. And anyways, let, let's – you know, we talked about him enough. Let's go – let's talk about Ben Simmons now, all right? Let's go to Ben Simmons. And uh, his stat line for that game was 18 points, uh, 9 boards, 10 assists, five steals and one turnover, one turnover, Ethan. Mm. That was also a great game I'm playing against Lonzo. Uh, you know, we're not going to mention Lonzo a whole lot today, but uh, he was awesome. He was awesome too. You know, I, I, I distinctly remember not necessarily Richard or Elkin, but a bunch of people that uh, like jumped at me as, cause I, I considered myself to be, you know, of the foremost on basketball intelligence and people jumped on me a lot about my Ben Simmons take and saying that he was like, he was still the number one pick, even though he w- didn't play the first year. A lot of my friends uh, were like, Hey, you know, you still believe in Ben Simmons. You see that guy. And I'm like, yeah, he's still that guy. And I'm so happy that um, he, he's working out because I don't know what I'd do if, if Ben Simmons uh, didn't, wasn't working out. But this man, um, he, he's just, he's playing at such a high level. He's got a, a 36, Point four assist percentage, so like no, that's an estimate percentage of teammate field goals the player assisted. So like he's dominating uh, the game. Um, Richard, this guy, he he has the he has the court general stuff of a Jason Kidd, a LeBron James, a Steve Nash, but he's he's six ten. Like he's even bigger than LeBron physically. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it, like it's it's we haven't had this kind of because he's a point guard. He's playing point guard. We haven't had this type of like size discrepancy at a position since really magic, you know, being a six, nine point guard. And so this is it's kind of in that same mold here where he just has, he's just so much bigger than, but he's also fast. He's also quick, good defender. I mean, with, with, with him, the only issue is like, can he shoot? But right now, I mean, if he ever develops that shot, my goodness, like, I don't know how you're going to stop him. Yeah, an interesting thing that we were looking at before we started recording was how the team's assist percentage changes when he's on and off the court. And you would think of a point guard as someone who would increase an assist percentage, but it, this is what's, what's weird because he is such a ball-dominant player and so good at what he does. The assist percentage with him on the court is 63.7%, and it goes up to 70%, nearly 70% when he's off the court. And what we, I think what we agree is the reason of that is because he's one of the Two guys on this team that can go get his own shot in terms of get to the rim and finish, the other being Joel Embiid. Dario Sarge maybe should get some mention as that third guy on that team. Mm-hmm. But when the Sixers don't have Ben Simmons, they are so dependent on them, like, you know, TJ McConnell, uh, JJ Redick, and all these other guys really working hard together to try to scrum up some kind of offense if Ben Simmons isn't setting the table. And with that in mind, you're talking about Ben Simmons getting to the rim and getting his shots off. Uh, 41% of his field goal attempts are coming in the restricted area. And 
I should have had this stat already, but he's shooting a very high percentage. I should have had this stat ready, but he's shooting a very high percentage in that restricted area. Let me see if I can get that. I mean, I mean you, you, you assume, you know, if you're shooting in the restricted area, you're getting a layup, you're getting a dunk. Those are high percentage shots. And if most of his shots are coming there, you just assume that. He's shooting, know. you're getting 71% of those layups and dunks. Okay. Like, I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd assume all those are, are going in at a high rate. But the, the, the point being, like, there's plenty. Of, I'm, I had to, you know, do some comparison shopping out here. But, like, it's not like he's the guy that's always in transition getting dunks because he's a lot of times throwing the passes for those. Like, he just – his ability to attack and finish at the rim with both hands, maybe he should shoot differently perhaps, Kevin O'Connor. But he – uh. He, I mean, the guy gets gets where he wants. He's kind of got that Giannis thing where if you give him the space to shoot, he actually just uses that as a launching pad to get to the rim. And mm-hmm. I'm seeing that as a very effective thing for him. He's 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 looking really special, Richard. Yeah, I, for for those that don't know, there are a number of people out there who are convinced that Ben Simmons shoots with the wrong hand. Like he's he's shooting his jumper with the wrong hand. He shoots left-handed. People think he should shoot right-handed because when he's around, like. When he finishes layups and, and around the rim, he's very good at finishing with his right hand. And like it looks it the feel looks like it's better there with the right hand than it is with his left hand. And so there's a there's a if you go to NBA Reddit, if you go to if you just type in Ben Simmons left hand, right hand shooting on Google, you're gonna find a whole bunch of people saying, Hey, he probably should really be shooting with his right hand over his left hand. And maybe that's why he's having shooting shooting woes. Obviously, you're in the NBA right now. It's kinda hard to make that switch. I mean Mark, there's you know rumors that Markel Fultz is trying to start shooting hand, shooting with his left hand, and we, we're not going to talk about Markel Fultz here because we want it to be a good Philadelphia Sixers episode here, not not talk about any of the bad stuff that got going on. But uh, you know, regardless whether he should be shooting with his right hand or left hand, he's still being very effective here as a rookie, and obviously he's going to win Rookie of the Year, uh, barring any sort of injury. So for that comparison, shopping on field goal percent percent by area. Kevin Durant, who plays for the Warriors, who gets layup lines through the into the paint, is shooting um, 74% in the restricted area. So that's a 3% difference for a guy who's playing with only one other, like, really elite player on his team. But he's got floor spacers in J.J. Redick and Robert Covington. So he's got something comparable there. But I just wanted to throw out someone, you know, like similar kind of body. Obviously, Ben Simmons has the bulk. Durant the length mm-hmm. but I just wanted to throw that stat out there so the listeners aren't in, in, entirely out in the dark on what would be a comparable percentage for that now the place where he struggles obviously shooting when you start getting further out but the the where we are the most concerned for him is his free throw shooting percentage he's shooting just under 60 percent and f- unfortunately free throw shooting percentage is very predictive as far as are you going to be a good shooter in the NBA? Like, do you have range? Do you have the ability? And so seeing him at 60%, it's not good. And it's not where you want to be. Now, if he can ever develop some sort of uh, shot with whatever, you know, I don't know what the type of shooting coaches they got going on over in Philly. Uh, I mean, I, you know, you hear the whole Kawhi Leonard transformation, although I, I'm not, you know, Brett Brown is all, oh, there's a connection there. Cause he used to be over there in, in San Antonio. I don't know. Maybe they can bring the shooting coach on over, but if you can ever get him to be shooting at a rate where people actually have to be concerned about that, then you're really like, you're opening everything up and you'd really have to watch out for Philly. Yeah. 
for some comparison shopping with field goal percentages, LeBron James's lowest field goal per- or free throw percentage in a season was 67%, and that was just last season, a really bad number for you know the king. Before mm-hmm. that, it was 69% in his fourth season in the NBA. But he's a seven, 74% foul shooter, which is fine, not what you want from your best player because you want your, he's going to be the guy with the ball in his hands in the games. But my point being here is, like, LeBron always had – like I would say he has a consistent stroke most of his career, even if it wasn't always the best one. Yeah. And you saw him really dial in three point land when he was playing in Miami, when he was, you know, with a Chris Bosch, with a, a slasher like Dwayne Wade, you know, a shooter like Shane Batty. He, he had the players around him to spread the floor and get him more open looks. And maybe, maybe there's a chance Ben Simmons could find similar similar uh, sparks with the J.J. Redick this year. Who knows who plays with that position next year? Robert Covington for the next four seasons. Joel Embiid spreading the floor. You know, maybe there's a path to see that. But, yeah, we got to see some improvements on the mechanics because the mechanics just don't look right. And I love left-handed players. We know this to be true. I love left-handed players, and I want him to be left-handed. However. <laughs> maybe he should be shooting right-handed. <laughs> however, I want him to make shots. And if – if it comes to the sacrifice of him being left-handed, I'd rather him be closer to a uh, you know a Shane Battier-style shooter than a, a Josh Smith, so to say. Yeah, for sure. No one wants to see that. Oh, man, Josh Smith. We're still paying Josh Smith, by the way, over in Detroit. It's really bad. Uh, and just a, a quick aside, like at, when 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 we decided that we were going to do our, our podcast uh, on Philly and talking about Embiid and them, like – I got excited, went on 2K because it's it's uh, Thanksgiving break for me, and I had a little bit of time. Went on 2K and and like started a my GM with with the Sixers, and and I usually use the Pistons. And you know, looking at the contract stuff, I look down whenever I use the Pistons, like man, this is terrible. I still have to pay Josh Smith in 2K. Like I'm paying him five mil a year just just to not be on my team. And this is this is fake, and it's a video game. Whereas if you start out with Philly. You get all their extra picks. You get, you know, you get the Lakers pick top five protected. And oh man, it's <laughs> the the funny thing is, you guys are probably I, I haven't looked at his contract, but I'm, I guarantee you're paying him more than the Pelicans are this year. Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, there's no way he's getting five million from the Pelicans. I mean, we're paying him this year and next year, I believe. That is and... too funny that <laughs> Josh Smith got paid to go away. I know he got paid to go away, and like. 2K, come on! I, I'm starting a total like it's a my it's a my GM. Can we get rid of bad contracts, please? No, no, it's uh, realistic, guess, man. It's realistic. I guess, I guess not. Even when I decide, you know, to go and be the Pistons and, and do the fantasy draft thing and do that whole thing, nope, still still gotta pay Josh Smith five point three million dollars oh. every single year for the next couple of years. <laughs> well, I love the boneheaded lefties, so I'd be okay with it, but I know that he's the bane of your existence, Richard. He is. He is. It's a problem. Yeah. Uh, well, let, me, let me finish off with this, Ethan. Let's go ahead and get towards the end here. I have a final question for you that you have not heard coming yet, at least not for me. Um, with this resurgence of Philly and them looking like they're going to be the team, you know, okay. before the season, it, the rumors were, okay. is LeBron – Richard, can I guess where you're going with this? Will yeah, LeBron go. go to Cleveland? Go to go to Philadelphia? Is that that's, they, it? You know, that, that's that's the question? That's the question. Is is Philadelphia a is it a reasonable place for him to go? I mean, this year, let's let's think about this. All right, this year they have JJ Redick on the books for this year only. They have 
Uh, Amir Johnson on the books this year only. And between the two of those, those are $30 million of people. They're going to be gone. They're out of here after this year. Obviously, the extensions of Robert Covington, extensions of Joel Embiid are there. But is it possible that Philadelphia would say, you know what, let's go ahead and try to bring LeBron in and you would have you'd have a lineup where it's essentially going to be the same this year, except you're swapping out J.J. Redick for LeBron James. Is that something that you think LeBron would be willing to do? To, to do? I, obviously, there have been ties to, for him to go to L.A., but if, if anyone watched any – any either LA team uh, it looks it's rough. Like, it's looking a little <laughs> iffy to say the say the least. Um, let, let's think about this as a conceptual lineup, shall we? Mark sure. We don't know what he's going to be yet, but we. I, I had to think any almost anyone would say he's going to be an average point guard at best. So like if, if he's Ish Smith out there, but like better defensively just because he's younger and more physical. What let, let's call that you know a, a, a net even. Then you go shooting guard. Robert Covington, small forward and power forward, Ben Simmons and LeBron James, and center Joel Embiid. Honestly, like, like using positions using, don't matter here, but like yeah, saying the positions is like you know, just if you throw if you throw those guys out there, it's like man, how in the world are you going to cover them? And they're going to be a good defensive team as well. I, I don't know what you, I don't know what you would, what you would do in that situation. So I don't know if LeBron would do that. Obviously, like it's. It's kind of a crazy thing to, to, for LeBron yeah. to hitch his wagon to a, a potential, you know, injury in a, right. be historically. But I, I can't imagine a more like just fun story <laughs> for the like, like let's let's ask this question, Richard. Is there a is there a more fun team for him to join in let's terms see. of like because maybe the Rockets would be fun, but they're not going to be able to afford him, obviously. Because no, yeah, the Rockets they have to move so many people. Yeah, they, they 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 can't do anything, and so he he can't go to Houston. He the Knicks would be fun. The Knicks would be fun, and, and yeah, I mean that there were there were some like obviously these are all rumors. Like people are just speculating, hey, it'd be great if LeBron went there. Like I heard some okay, if LeBron went to New York because he he crowned he named himself the king of New York, you know. Yes. Uh, in, in the game that he played against them, like that would be fun as well because you get him, Porzingis, and uh, Frankie Smokes. But but to get that to happen. Hardaway would like – I think I know it ha- Noah has to be gone. Noah has Hardaway to be gone. has to probably be gone as well in terms of contracts that are movable. Like, Hardaway's probably still movable because he's still a decent player. Like, you, you're giving up assets, though. Like uh, – you, you probably – I mean, you, but here's the thing. If you – because he's a legitimate starter there, you actually have to give him up. That's, you know, then then LeBron's – you know, who's LeBron playing with now? I mean – yeah. Przingis. <laughs> yeah, okay. Him, Przingis. You, you got to fill out the rest of the roster as well. Um, you might be able to do it if you can get rid of Noah and a couple other guys and still keep Hardway, but I guess it just depends how much money is Jim Dolan willing to spend. The point being, there's legitimately an easy path for him to be in Philadelphia based on the contracts going away. We, Not we, to mention we, a Julio Okafor going off the books. Right. Well, we should look at it, though, because right now this year – Embiid's contract is has not ballooned yet, right? He has he signed the extension, so next year is where where his contract goes up. Same thing for Covington, and so we might have to look at those and, and get back to the listeners later. But I, it stands to the, they they can figure something out. They, they have the they I believe they have the ability to to make it work. I mean, I made it work in two K. I went through the whole year. I did a lot of sim stuff, and I I brought in Paul George to somehow play alongside of my team in Philly when I did the 2K thing. 
So, I mean, if, if I can bring Paul George over in 2K, they can bring LeBron James over in real life, we hope. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, the thing is, Richard, I, I, will, I want this to happen. Like, aside, aside from a LeBron turn to Miami, there's nothing I want more. Yeah, we mentioned Miami too much this this this, this episode. Well, okay, well, we're talking about fantasies uh, here. Let, let, uh, me, let me dream. That's fine. That's fine. But I mean, in this situation, he wouldn't go to the West because that was a big argument for people like, oh, why would he go to the West? And, you know, why would he go to the West if his team's not actually going to be able to be competitive? Obviously, the Lakers don't have a whole lot of stuff on the books other than Lonzo. And I mean, there's a few other other pieces, but I mean, you know, KCP's on a one year deal. If they can get rid of Luol Deng or do some weird thing with him, they could fit in two max contract guys, LeBron and someone else. And, but then, you know, Lonzo's got to look good. And he's looked good some games and looked just treacherous others. And so I don't think that's something LeBron really wants to hitch his wagon to uh, right now. But, I mean, with all the promise Philly's been showing, he'd be able to stay in the East, have a team that looks super competitive with, you know, Looks like they could be a team that really could go after the Celtics uh, if if that were to happen. I don't know how much longer he could stay in Cleveland with the currently constructed roster and believe that he really can can continue to have a chance. Obviously, anything that has LeBron is going to get is going to be there uh, come May and June. But so based on Spotrack, the uh, act, active roster. Um, of the 76ers in 2018-19 is going to be $69.8 million. Okay. With the 2018 like projected right. cap at uh, like basically, basically $101 million. Okay. What it says here. So they're, they're, like their thing as a practical ca- uh, cap space is going to be $31 million. Basically, so, that's a max contract for for LeBron, essentially. Yes, you have, mention, you have the spot there. Not to mention, there's probably some smaller contracts. If, like hypothetically, you needed to have 32 million, you could make things happen. All yeah, right. and but uh, but some of these guys for for Philly, maybe we, should, and we don't want to spend too much time on this here, <laughs> but like some of those guys that Philly's gonna have the bird rights for, and so you just bring LeBron over, and then just sign those guys on top of it and you can go over the cap that way because it's you have your bird rights on those guys and so theoretically they can make it happen yeah and then sign Dwayne Wade to the minimum and yeah all, all that all Chris that stuff. Bosch Chris Bosch comes back from the medical you have some experience <laughs> okay we have a reunion uh, for Miami in in Philly yeah I'm, I'm okay sure. with it Richard, we've we've been rambling about this for quite long enough. I think it's time for you to send us into our Hero Ball Quote of the Week. Of course. All right. So, without a doubt, our Hero Ball Quote of the Week comes from the one and only Joel Embiid. And on Twitter, he said in October, this was his tweet. He said, I'm nice. Fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji. <laughs>